This morning we're going to read from Matthew 25, starting at verse 1. There's a lot of material and a little time, so here we go. Then the, <clears throat> then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were wise took their lamps and took no oil, or those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with, the, with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless your word. Open our hearts, our spirits, our minds to who the Bride of Christ is this morning, in Jesus' name. Now, we're called the Bride of Christ as the church and I think the best way to, uh, to describe who the bride of Christ is is to look at the wedding at the time of Jesus when he walked the earth, the Jewish wedding. And it goes like this. A man would see a girl that he was attracted to or that his dad told him, you're attracted to her. He may have seen her for the very first time that day. But he would go to her house, and he would bring three things. The first thing he would bring is a letter. This letter would describe to her what it was going to be like when she was married to him. The second thing is a bag of money. Now, they were on a bride price system, and the price was very high, like buying, buying a house for cash. So... There was very little divorce because of the expense. The third thing would be a cup of wine. And he would set this in front of her. Now, if she picked up that cup and drank it, that was saying, yes, I'll marry you. If she did not drink it, that was saying, sorry, Charlie, I'll pass on this one. But she could take all the time she wanted knowing this, that if she drank that cup, it was going to change her life forever. So it's a big deal. Now, these, once she drank, she was engaged. These engagements were very strong. You had to actually get a divorce to get out of an engagement. Remember, Joseph was going to put Mary away privately when he found out she was pregnant. 
This is the same cup that Jesus poured at the Passover when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant. The word diakahi means contract or will or covenant or testament. But it was time for her to make a decision. Now, if she drank, he would make a little speech to her. Something like, I go to prepare a place for you. And when it is finished, I will come back and take you to be my bride. See, he would go back to his father's house. Oh, this is the same, uh, same scripture we read earlier, saying... <clears throat> When Jesus said, if you, after they drank the cup, the disciples, he said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And when it's done, I'm going to come back. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. Now, once they parted, they may not see each other again until the wedding day. Now, he would go back to his father's and begin to build a place for her a bridal chamber. Now, this construction could take a long time or a short time. It would all be supervised by his father. Now, it had to be just right. If it was up to the young man, he probably would have just like taken a few two-by-fours, made a lean-to, put some visqueen on it, got some carpet scraps and said, Yeah, baby! (laughs) But if the father was in charge... The father, was, he supervised every aspect of this building. Now, it was something that would house the, the couple for seven days, their honeymoon. Not just a hotel like our, in our culture, but it's something he built with his own hands. And it would be stocked with goodies for a week. And this project could take years you know, they didn't have power tools like we do today. They couldn't call up the ready-mix company and say, hey, I need a batch of concrete. From the moment she drank, she was also forever different. She was to be waiting every night ready for his return in the story that we read. The people in her family would call her by a different name. They would call her consecrated, or set apart, or bought with a price, or not her own. Some of the same names that Paul called the church in 1 Corinthians 6. So this is our present relationship with Jesus Christ. He has already come to earth, come to our house. He has presented the contract, the New Testament. He has paid the price on the cross. And he has presented the cup, the new covenant. And he's also made his little speech to us. I go to prepare a place for you. And he's gone back to his father's house to to fulfill his end of the contract. Now, he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. 
He doesn't expect us to wait for him in vain. Now, some churches teach that he's already come. I've heard other churches say that it's figurative, he's going to come in our hearts. Frankly, who wants to be engaged to somebody that's not going to follow through with an actual wedding? Those who do not believe he's coming back for them are probably right. Maybe they're the people Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. But he's coming back for me and all those who are set apart. Those under contract. Now the contract had requirements for both of them to keep until he came. She had to keep an oil lamp by her bed every night. The young men liked to come late at night when they were least expected, and she was going to a place where she had never been before, just like us. In Matthew 25, five virgins had oil in their lamps and five did not. The story says at midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Those without oil couldn't go with the bridegroom. Jesus called them foolish. Only those with oil got to go to the wedding feast, and Jesus called them wise. Now, could you compare that to today? I can. There is a born-again, believing church, waiting, anxious for the Lord to return to take them home. those that have oil in their lamps. This oil represents the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 9 says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Also, the bride had to wear a veil. Now, this said to everyone that she was spoken for, like an engagement ring in our culture. The veil set her apart. And she slept with her wedding dress on every night. <laughs> now, this is symbolic of us as Christians. Moment by moment, we are to be ready, dressed, waiting, anxious for our groom to return. We don't know when. Now, his requirements were he was to be building this place for her. As I said, this could take a long or a short time. But if you saw a young man working on his bridal chamber, you might ask him, Hey, when's the big day? He would always have to respond. You're going to have to ask my dad. The disciples asked Jesus when he would come back, and he said in Matthew 24, No one knows about that day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. It was totally up to the groom's father to determine when all was ready and when all was just right. And finally, when it was, he would tell the Son, go, get your bride. Now the groom's party liked to come late at night when no one expected. The rule said they had to shout before entering the house. In our culture, that would mean you're not going to get shot. But in their culture, it meant a warning to the bride to, you know, brush her teeth, get her hair, try to take the wrinkles out of her dress, 
get presentable. Remember the parable at midnight. Here's the bridegroom. Well, Jesus is coming for a sh- with a shout for his church, the bride of Christ. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's in our contract. Well, when this happened, she would trim her lamp, put on her veil, because she's not married yet, and the young men would break into the house, and they'd run from room to room to find her, because they probably hadn't been in there other than the living room before. It was quite a chaotic scene. It will be when Jesus comes back for his bride, too. Wait and see. Remember, she had a veil on. Not everyone knew who she was. I can't tell looking across this room or when I'm at Mile High Stadium or at the mall or, or wherever I am, who's under contract. Who's set apart. But the Lord knows. See, in their culture, the wedding took place at the groom's father's house. He paid the tab. The guests would all be assembled before he sent his son to get his bride. In our case, many of these guests are mentioned in the Bible. They have names like David, Esther, Eve, Elijah, Samson, Noah, Ruth, Gideon. I'm sure you know the list. A lot of them have books named after them. All are friends of the groom's father. All are assembled, waiting. And when the bride and the groom arrive, they enter into the chamber that he has built and shut the door. And for seven days, that's how long a marriage feast would last in the Jews' custom at Jesus' time. Now, I've been to some pretty fantastic weddings but I've never been to one that lasted seven days. So to be at one of these weddings was a big deal. It was a, you took a week off work. Remember in Jesus, in John 2, Jesus' first miracle, they ran out of wine. The wedding took so long. And so Jesus made some wine. And the master of the banquet said, this second wine is the best. Well, he didn't realize a prophetic thing that he was saying. You see, the first, when Jesus said, this cup is my blood, the first blood was the Passover lamb in Egypt. It freed all the Hebrew slaves. That was a big deal. The second cup was the blood of the Lamb of God, which freed all mankind from sin forever. Way bigger deal. Now the bride and groom are in this chamber, and there's no celebrating yet until the wedding, the marriage has been consummated. So how are they going to know? 
The door shut. Probably even locked. There is the friend of the bridegroom. What we would call a best man. Who would stand at the door. Jesus said of John the Baptist in Luke 7. Among those born of women. There is none greater than John. John said of Jesus. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. So when the marriage had occurred, the groom would tell the best man through the door and he would make the announcement to all the guests that were gathered and the party would begin for seven days. Also of John the Baptist, Jesus said, But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. He that is least. That's, that's awesome. The bride is by far the greatest in the eyes of the groom. Not the best man. We, the church, the bride of Christ, are the apple of his eye. So the bride and groom stay in that chamber alone for seven days. This is symbolic of the seven years between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. It's also symbolic of the judgment seat of Christ. You might ask, how can my honeymoon be compared to a judgment seat? Doesn't sound like much fun. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, both good and bad. We Christians, the born again, will all stand before Christ just as a bride stands before her groom. No pretense. The veil is removed and all of her secrets are revealed. A honeymoon is the one place you go in this life with what you've got. Think of this spiritually. We might be fooling those around us here. We will not be fooling them there. He's going to review our lives with us. But remember that this is in a loving setting like a honeymoon. The focus is on reward, not on punishment. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about all of our works being tested by fire. There's hay, wood, and stubble. Those are going to burn. There's also gold, silver, and precious stones. Those will remain. And even if not one tiny little flake of gold survives the fire, the word says, yet he himself shall be saved. Here the bride fully discloses who she really is and all she has. And on the seventh day, the bride and groom come out to the wedding feast. All the guests are there. Revelation 19 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has, has come, and his wife 
has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the white linen is the righteousness of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said, These are the true sayings of God. Fine linen, clean and white. We can wear white because we have been cleansed of all sin by the Lord. It was all washed away at the cross. And we will stand with Christ as the king and us as the queen of his kingdom. We'll judge the nations. We'll judge the angels. It doesn't get much bigger than this. This is the plan for the church, the bride of Christ, the born again. You like that story? I have an application for this story. <laughs> I love weddings. I, they are one of the most refreshing things you can do is go to a wedding. I'm sure everybody here has fond memories of their own wedding and the people that they love. Not only that, but weddings where <clears throat> every person under the sound of my voice gets to choose the role they play in this story. You see, you get to choose whether there is oil in your lamp or not. That oil representing the Holy Spirit can only be obtained in one way. Jesus said, you must be born again. The moment that happens, the Spirit indwells you and you've got oil. The five virgins that didn't have oil that Jesus called foolish, by the time they figured it out and got it together, the door was shut. Now, some people think they're just going to sneak in, like be in the crowd, hang around by the wall, not be noticed. Jesus addressed this too. I don't have time to read the story. I'd like you to read it when you get home. It's Matthew 22, verses uh, 1 through 14. Anyway, there's this king made a, a wedding for his son. That's what we've been talking about. And he invited all these people. But they made light of it. They went to their work. They did this. They did that. They lived their lives. He sent more messengers to invite him to the wedding, and they treated him spitefully and killed them. So the king sent his armies and wiped them out. And he told his servants, Go into the highways of life and invite whoever you meet to come to this feast. And the, the chamber was filled with guests, the good and the bad, the scripture says. Now, the bad weren't unwelcome because of their deeds, and the good weren't exalted because of their deeds, because it was the garments that they had on, their wedding garment. And the king looked over the crowd and saw one guy that did not have a wedding garment on. He said, hey, you can't come in here without a wedding garment. Basically, he was saying, you can't come in here with your own righteousness. It ain't going to happen. The guy was speechless. 
I know people that think that when they get before the Lord, they're going to be able to debate their way out of this thing. They're going to say, yeah, but, yeah, but this and that. I don't think so. The scripture says the guy was speechless. At that day, all our wisdom is going to bow to the truth of God. He told his servants to tie this guy up and throw him out. And they did just that. So, let's review the facts as they stand. Jesus came to our house. That's what Christmas is all about. Not just an event in Bethlehem. But the Son of God came to our house. And he's standing in front of us right now, offering us his kingdom. He has presented his contract, the New Testament. He has paid the price. Matthew 13 says that when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had and bought it. He's not cheap. All that he had. And you're not cheap either. You are valued by the amount he's willing to pay. All he had. And finally, he has set this cup before us. Have you drank from that cup? You might say, I've taken communion since I was nine. (laughs) That's wonderful. This cup that I'm talking about is saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I'll accept your contract. I'll accept the price you paid. Yes, I'll have you be the the Lord of my life. And yes, I'll wait for you to return. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, The eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, neither has it ever entered into the heart of man the good things that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. Maybe this kind of talk makes you a little uncomfortable. How do you think the guy without a wedding garment felt? Or the virgins without oil? Comfort comes from having on the right garment. Comfort comes from having oil in your lamp. Now, there are many voices out there today, especially in our technology, I can't even say this, iPhone days, trying to get you to say yes to them. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Maybe you're one who drank from that cup long ago, but you haven't been wearing your veil. Faithful is he who called you. He, all the terms of the contract are still good. Come back. He loves you. And finally, I know that there may be some here today who have never drank that cup. 
who have never said yes to Jesus. Please, drink. Say yes. Your life will never be the same. And you're going to go to a place you have never been before. After the service is all over, there will be myself and some other people that would love to talk to you and pray with you. You see, you can't get born again by um, hanging around church. Osmosis, I guess is the word. I have yet to meet somebody that said, Oh, hey, look, I'm engaged. I wonder how that happened. And neither have you. It takes a conscious decision to get engaged. It takes a conscious decision to accept this cup. You know where you stand. Today the door is open. And the master of the universe is offering you his kingdom. David wrote in Psalm 34, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks for listening. We're going to close with uh, hymn number 89.